Now this morning, I'm, I'm going to be talking on asking and receiving. Um, and in some ways, it could seem like quite a, quite a simple, simple thing, a, a fairly simple thing to say, but actually there, there's an awful lot to it. Um, I want to start by, re- I'm going to read from um, John 15, verses um, 5 to 8. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, when I was thinking about this topic, um, I, I, was really, I was really thinking about why we do and don't um, ask and receive from God and, and, and what that, um, and what that um, comes from. And, and it, it came down to, like, do we have faith that God will answer our prayers? When, when we pray to God, as we, as we as we all should, do we have faith that God will really answer? And so when we're thinking about that, we need, we need to understand, well, so then what is faith? What is that faith that we're, that we're basing it upon? So faith, as the writer in Hebrew says, is being um, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So there's two distinct elements to that. Um, so you have um, an objective and an object. So the objective is being sure of what we hope for, the thing that we're looking towards. And the object is being certain of what we do not see, the thing that we're basing our faith in. So, so, the, so the object, um, the basis of our faith, the reason that we believe. So why do you believe? If you do, if you're a Christian here today, why do you believe in God? I always go back to, um, often go back to 1 Peter 3.15, uh, where um, it talks about always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. I remember um, some years ago, uh, a number of years ago now, when I was, when I was doing my first degree in, in Bath, and um, I wasn't necessarily in a great, pre- great place spiritually at the time, and, but I was, um, I was coming back from um, or walking along the road with a friend um, who wasn't a Christian, and he's, he's like, so what, what's so great about being a Christian? Um, almost out of nothing, he, he just brought this up, and I said, well... It's, it's amazing we have this, this hope in, um, in heaven, um, in, in eternal life. And he's like, okay, but why should you believe? Like, what gives you that hope? And actually, I was, I was stumped. And, and, it, and, it, and it really, it really got, got me thinking, kind of, like, what, it, what is the basis of that hope? Why do you believe? Like, do you believe because your parents told you to? It's because, that, because that's the way you've always been brought up. Like, do we believe because, well, it's nice being part of the church and having a group of friends, and if we seem like, like we're, not, we're not part, we're not, we don't do the same as them, then maybe we won't, we won't feel like we're part of it. Do we believe because, uh, kind of a just in case, well, I, this God stuff might be true, so I'll just kind of, just in case it is, I will, um, I'll, I'll make a profession of faith. Um, or is it just a case of just because we always have? Now, our faith is living and active. If it's just because we have, then we need to really think about it. Like, or is it more positive? Is it because we've seen and experienced some of the works of God in our lives? Is it because we want to understand what the real meaning and the true purpose of our life is? Is it because we, 
because we have a genuine relationship with Christ. And we, want to, and we want to seek his knowledge and truth in our lives. So, so, something someone was touching on earlier, and actually I was, I've been thinking about, is about when we talk about our faith, when we talk about our testimony. So our testimony is a, an expression of our faith. It's what we believe in. Um, it's why we believe and how we came to faith. And I was, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was reflecting on it in relation to, um, in, in relation to my testimony and how I'd, I'd often given it, given it in the past. And what I was really thinking, it's the order in which we, we talk about is really important. It's about talking about the Lord first and not yourself. In that, so I would. So I would often, I used to start my testimony if I was talking to someone. I'd say, so I was brought up in a Christian household and I was, I, I was really privileged to have, have Christian parents. And, 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 that, and that's true and that's, and that's great. But actually, in the eyes of lots, um, a lot of people, you, you would see it. it they'd switch off. It's like, okay, it's just, he's, he's just been kind of brainwashed into it. It's not really his own choice, his own decision. But then actually starting with the Lord, starting with, with the one who gives us life, talking about him is, a great, is, is an amazing way to actually bring people in, to show people what you believe. Talk about the Lord and then talk about how you found him. So, so talking about, I believe in, in a God who's the maker of heaven and earth. I believe a God who's a saving God. I believe a God who didn't, who's not just sitting up on, um, in heaven playing a harp. A God who's real and active, who lives in my heart. I, I believe in a God um, who, who's, not, who's not, not just distant and throwing down judgment. I'm a believer in a God who's loving, who's caring, who loves you and cares for you and wants to bring you close to him. He's, he's not sitting there in, um, just in judgment. He's sitting there with open arms saying, come to me. And that's the God that I knew. That's the God that I came to. And that's the God that loves me. Now, talking that way as a testimony is so much more powerful um, you can then talk about how you came to know him, but actually talk about the God, because he's the one that we want to focus on. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about my great story to faith. It's about God, and it's about his amazing grace that he offers to us. So we've got the object, the basis of our faith. We've also then got the objective. So the objective is what we're, what we're seeking to do, the goal that we're looking towards. So what are we seeking to? Are we just seeking to, to just tread water and survive? Are we seeking to just grind through life and get to the end as unscathed as possible? Are we, are we seeking to, as our main goal, making sure we've got a comfortable retirement? Is that the main thing that we're focused on? Or, more positively, are we, are we seeking to do God's work? Are we seeking to see lives changed and see the people that we know affected and really affected by the God, the maker of heaven and earth? One of, one of our favourite verses is Hebrews 12, verse 2, which is, Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is the object and the objective. He's the object. He's the basis of our faith. He's the thing that we believe in. He's the one that we believe in. And he's the objective, he's the goal, he's the thing we're looking towards. He's the model that we want to model ourselves on. That's why Jesus is so central. That's why Jesus is so offensive to, people, to people's ears who, who don't want to hear it. Because he, he is the one, he is the, 
he's the object and the objective. He is all that matters. And actually, he's the one that we focus on. Not on, not on kind of, um, someone talked about intellectualizing everything. It's not about intellectualizing everything. It's not about kind of being o- overly holy or, kind of, or, or being overly pious. It's about focusing on Jesus. It's about bringing him, um, and it's about bringing and showing him to people around us. That's how, that's how we see lives change. That's what the, f- the purpose of being here is. And that's what the purpose of being on this earth, being in, um, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our colleges, wherever we are, it's about sharing Jesus. Now, so talking about asking and receiving, so if we ask and we do not receive, like, why don't we? It's really, it, it's really important to think about. And I was thinking about this, and, and a lot of time it's because we don't have that faith. In... Um, in James 1, verses 5 to 7, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea and will be blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not to expect to receive anything from God. So why might we not have that faith? Well, maybe, maybe we've been let down. Maybe, you, maybe you've been let down here. Maybe you've been let down by Christians. One of the things that I think is, is so harmful um, to our, um, as, we, as we live our lives it is, is hypocrisy. Saying one thing and doing another. That actually as, as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, we are ambassadors for God. Now, an ambassador is someone who goes on behalf of of the government, the state, the king. He, they go to another country and they are the mouthpiece for that country. What that ambassador says is what the king says. What that ambassador acts like is, 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 is how the king should act. So, so if, if, if the ambassador is going about kind of swearing and kind of, um, and kind of beating up people and going out and getting drunk on a Friday night, then actually... If people look at them and you, and you say, well, who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, so that's what God thinks. That's what God thinks is right. Well, that's what's really pervasive because then you say, well, no, no, that's not what God thinks. Well, then why do you act like that? So as ambassadors, we need to be really careful. It's, it's like an ambassador is, is a person who's, cho- who's chosen. They're chosen by the, by the, by the king and, and they're put in a place. We've been chosen by the king. We've been put in this place. And it's so important that we act in the way that the king would act. That we act um, in, a, in a faithful manner. Other reasons why people might not have faith. Well, maybe people don't see evidence of God. I, was, I, I always think it's, it, it's often quite unhelpful that you can get... I um, often get th- these debates or these... Uh, I'd see a, a, a faux debate of kind of a science versus religion. This, this idea that all scientists are trying to disprove God and that um, all Christians are set against science. That actually, our God is a God of science. Our God is a God who made science. Our God is a God who made the universe, made the world and everything in it. As people, are find, as, as, as people look into science, look into the world, find out about how the world works, they're not disproving God you're proving God more and more. You're showing the amazing complexity that God has created. You, you, look, you look down and see, see the amazing structure from, from, from massive planets down, down to atoms and electrons, down to, 
down, down to kind of subatomic particles, you're seeing the wonder of God, this God who spoke the world, spoke the earth into being. That I'd say one, one, one of the biggest evidences of God is like, like the fine-tuning of the universe. You look at, um, uh, like, like there's kind of, I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, there's, there's, kind of, there's kind of four forces that, that control the um, uh, physics, so the strong, the weak nuclear force, the electromagnetic force, and the gravitational force. The amazing balance in which they sit, which if any of them were out by a fraction of percentage, nothing would exist. The chances of that happening by, um, in, um, by chance are infinitesimally small. Science is the biggest evidence of God that we have. We should own it and we should really, really del- delve into it. Because actually, because the, the atheists will, will, will say we're all, we're all against science, we don't believe it. No, we do. Because, because what science shows us, science shows us the king. Why else might we not have faith? Well, maybe we've endured too much pain or suffering. Now, having a theology of suffering and pain is really important. That also there are people, there are people in, in this church who are going through really hard times at the moment. There are people out there that are going through really hard times. And, and actually, we need, to, we need to be able to get on, get on board. We need to empathize with them, sympathize with them. We need to sit down and show the love of God. We need to show them that God is not a God who is the author of suffering. God, God does not bring suffering on people's lives. God doesn't want to see them. God wants to see people um, released from that. We need to get down and we need to show people the love of God. We need to be the love. We, we, we need to be that ambassador. We need to be that love of God in people's lives. We need to show them that God can and will break their pain, can and will break their suffering, that they can come to Him, they can lay their burdens on Him, and that He is the one um, that we look to. We don't look to the world. We don't look to. Um, to um, we don't look to anything else. We, just, we can look to him and we know that he will, be, he will be there for us. Why else might we not have faith? Well, maybe we don't see the need. I think, I was going to think about this. Okay, so in this room, put your hands up. Um, who here is rich? Okay. So, so we, we, we've, got, we've, got about, we've got about seven or eight. Now, I, 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 I would say... Um, the, everyone should have, a, have their hands up. The, now, not even just from a spiritual point of view, that actually living in a Western democracy, we are so privileged, we, we have, so, we have so, so much money, um, that actually, like, we are in the, like we're in the top kind of 5-10% of people worldwide in terms of wealth. And yet, and yet you ask people, and you say, well, do you feel rich? And the answer is often... No, well, I, I, would, I, I would do if I just had a bit more. If I, could, if I could just get that promotion and just get a bit more, oh, I'm sure then I'd be rich. Then, I, then I'd be comfortable. Then it, then it would be okay. It's always attitude of a bit more, wanting a bit more, a bit more. And actually, it's so, it's so pervasive. And our, so our attitude of kind of asking, receiving um, from God can often just come out of dissatisfaction. We want more because we see others having more. Perhaps, in, but we see others having more, and we see that, well, they're doing it in their own strength. They don't rely on God, so maybe that's what I should do. And it just draw, tears us away from God. The love of money tears us away from God. If that's all we're focused on, um, then it, it's, it, it's, re- it's really hard um, to actually have that genuine relationship, that genuine reliance with God. And you can get into an attitude of, an attitude of well, I will... Um, 
I'll get, I, I, I really want to get on board with God, but I need to sort out um, this in my life now. I need, to, well, I, need to, I need to get through my GCSEs, and then I'll focus on God, and well, I'll, then I'll get through my A-levels, and, um, but obviously then I'll get into university, but after that I'll get through God. Well, after university I need to get a job and stuff, and then um, yeah, and get, get married and have kids, but after that I'll, I'll sort out God. Well, w- once the kids are in school, and, but yeah, after that, well, obviously, yeah, I mean, school's quite a long time, but then w- w- once they're out, and I, well, I need to get them through university, but after that I'll get them through God. Well, yeah, but after I've prepared for my retirement and got already, um, and, and then, and then, and then. Luke 13, Jesus um, tells the parable of the rich fool. And he, and he says, you fool, tonight your life will be demanded of you. If we spend our whole lives just trying to build up our barns, just trying to make things, just trying to make things better in our own strength, just trying to do a bit more, I'll sort this out now, then I'll get on to my relationship with God then we won't. And God will always be second fiddle. And yet naturally, if I can provide, then what do I need God for? If I don't have that desperate need and longing for God, then you can have a skewed relationship. You can begin to treat God almost as, as, as an equal. But if I don't have a need for him, well, he's, he's just a bit like a mate that I can chat to sometimes. But if I can just chat to him sometimes, then what, it doesn't really matter if I just chat to him today or next week or next month, or next year. We can drift away. If it doesn't really matter if he, if he answers our prayer, it doesn't really matter if he exists. As Pastor and James that I read out talks about, we can be blown about in the wind. But then, when tough times come, and we cry out, we don't have that relationship, then we won't have, then we won't have that faith. And James says we shouldn't expect to receive from the Lord. Now Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move, and it will move. But if our faith has no object, no basis, and no objective, no focus, then we won't even have that mustard seed of faith. Now the Lord is exceedingly gracious, um, gives us exceedingly um, abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And despite our attitude at times, the Lord, the Lord will answer. But we need to remain in relationship with him. The passage, um, so the passage in John 15 that I read out um, at the start, um, I'm just going to read it again. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Lord has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. In my love, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Our joy may, com- may be complete. Isn't that an amazing thing? If you're going through life and you feel down or, or depressed, if you feel like you haven't got a direction, if you, don't, if you feel... If you just feel depressed and you don't know which way to turn, that the joy of the Lord can be in you. He can lift you. He can change you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going you're to walk around and just be happy all the time. But actually, you, having that inner joy, that inner peace, comes from God. Now, there's two sides to this bargain. Um, it says we need to remain in his love and keep his commands. So, so that relationship is conditional. What we do really matters. We don't just sit back and say, well, God will sort it if he wants. If God wants me to be happy, I'll be happy. 
We, we, we are active participants in our faith. What we do really matters in our lives. Now, we, you can have salvation without joy. You can have a dry and technocratic salvation. You can have an in, um, but why would you want to do that? Why would, why would you want to just trudge through life when you can have the joy of the Lord? Now, you, don't, you won't always feel it, but actually, you won't always feel happy. You won't always feel um, like you want to kind of jump around. But actually, it's an, it's an inner process. It's an, it's an inner changing and renewing. The Lord will change you from the inside out and give you that joy. Now, life can seem hard. Like, for me, I was reflecting on it, for me, and I, and I think probably for lots of people, especially in, in the West, life seems busy. Like, now, the busyness of life can drain away, I think, the joy out of our existence because you, you just focus on getting through the next bit to the next bit. I'm just going to focus on the next bit. And we spend so much time running around and doing stuff that we don't never stop to be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The mantra I often think in modern life um, is be productive and prove that I can do it. It's all about us. It's about if I can do it, if I can do more, if I can get more done, then, then that's what I need to focus on. But no, the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. And I try and change the and to a two, like be still to know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to stop to really know who God is in our lives. So when we do ask, do we expect God to reply? And John, it says, anything, anything you ask for in my name, you will have. Do we have that real eager expectation that God will actually answer our reply? In Mark eleven twenty four, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Thinking, thinking about prayer and, and, and answers to prayer, I was, um, I was thinking about like what Fiona shared last week, about the testimony of um, her friend that she had, she had prayed for um, three and a half years ago. And she she'd, and she'd, and she'd wrote it down, down in her book, and, and actually the Lord has answered her prayer. The things don't always happen immediately. The, Lord, the Lord's timescales aren't our timescales. The Lord will answer prayer, maybe not in the way that we expect, but he will answer it. But actually having a record for ourselves is really important. That actually, like the process, like Fiona talks about like writing it in a book, so we can look back and actually we can testify, not only to ourselves, but actually to, to people. Say, I prayed for you on this date then, and look what God has done. It's a way, like, it's a way of, sh- of demonstrating the, the reality and the existence of God to people, that actually prayer is real. But actually, if we, if, if we just keep our prayers to ourselves, some, there's prayers that, we, that are important to keep to ourselves that are part of our relationship with God. But actually, actually if we're eagerly praying for somebody, tell them about it. Because actually, if God answers that prayer, how much more powerful it is to say, I told you, God, I was praying for you, and look what God has done. That actually, it's an amazing way to to testify to people. But when we do ask, do we um, guard for things? Do Do we then continue to try and do it in our own strength? Now, there's times when it's, um, when we need to, when we still need to kind of um, work at things, it's not. It's not a case of just say, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to pray, and I, I'm not going to do anything. I'm, I'm going to sit here, um, 
I'm going to sit here for the rest of my life and just, and just let God get on with it. That, no, we, we have a role. We, we are given a role in this, in this life. But actually, there are times when there are things that we can't control, that we can't handle, that we can't manage, that are, be, are beyond us. That actually, we need to learn to give over things to God. We need to give our worries and give, give, our, give our burdens to God, and he will take them. He has taken them already. He's taken them on the cross. But we, we, need, we need to give them. We need, we need to say, Lord, I can't handle this. I don't know what to do in this situation. But you can do it because you are so much greater than I can imagine. So much greater. And the, and, and the Lord will handle it. So how do we know when God has answered? Now, it's, um, it, can, it can be hard. I mean, some, it's not, not everyone will get a kind of voice from heaven, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Or kind of a hand on the wall, many, many, total parson. That there's, um, like, there's lots of ways in which God answers prayer, but it's not, always kind of, it's not always a shouty way. And we need to understand, we need to understand to hear from God when he answers and what his answer is. And that comes down to relationship. If I, I've, I've, been, I've been married to my wife for um, five years now, um, yeah, um, and, um, and, and actually, and actually as, as, as you're in relationship with someone, you get to know what they think, what they, what they feel. So if you're in a situation and you say something, you think, I really shouldn't have said that, and you can, you can feel the glare. You can, um, um, but, but you know almost as you're saying it what they think about a, situ- what they think about a situation and what their reaction is going to be. Or, or if you say something, you can, you can know what they're going to say in response. And, and why do you know that? Well, you know that because of relationship. Because you've been in relationship with them for a long period of time that you know what they think and they know what you think. And it's exactly the same with God. That actually, as we grow in relationship with him, we get to know what he thinks or implicitly because he has it in us, because he is inside us. So as we say something, we know that I shouldn't have said that. God doesn't agree with that. We know what God thinks um, because, because he's, he's inside us. So, but then how do we do that? Well, we need, we need to develop that relationship. And that, that's what it's about. It's about, it's about talking to God. It's about, rece- it's about um, praying, praying to him. It's about reading from his word. It's so, much, it's so important that we, actually, um, that we actually do focus on him um, and develop that relationship. Because that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the way in which we know what his will is. And that's the way that he'll speak to us and tell us that he's, that he's answered. When I, when I was thinking about this, I, I, I was thinking probably one of the, well, I think probably the most significant pieces of um, answers to prayer that, I've, that I, I can ha- remember in the last few years um, was a few years ago. It was, it, it was, it was just before our uh, in preparation when Esther and I were getting married. So Esther and I have been um, going out for about three years and we've been talking about marriage and, and things. And, and I, and I, I, was, I, I, was, I was thinking an awful lot about it. And for, um, for kind of um, young, people, young people here in particular, I think other than coming to faith in Christ, like the choosing the person that you're going to marry is the most important decision you make in your life. But actually the person that you spend the rest of your life with is, is so important. It's so important to really get on board with um, finding God's will in that situation. Now, I, I'd been... I'd, I'd, be, I'd been praying a, a, an awful lot for months and months, and, and I, 
I, I, I, I, def- I, I definitely loved Esther and I wanted to marry her, but I, I, was, re- I was really seeking God's will. Like, is this the right thing? Do I, do, is, this what, is this what you want for me, Lord? And, it's, and, it's really, and, and there was lots, lots of kind of sleep, sleepless nights as to what do I what do, what, what do? I do? Is, is this the right thing? Is this just me or is this you? And, and uh, yeah, I, I, it had been going, going, on for, going on for a while. And then and, and at the time, I was living with um, Dan Jolly. So many of, you, many of you know him. He used to be part of, part of this church. And, um, and just one day, we, um, he and I were just, were just talking, and he was saying, oh, um, I'm planning on asking Kat to marry me, his now wife. I said, oh, that, oh, that's brilliant, Dan. That, that's, that's really great news. And almost, almost without thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm planning on asking Esther to marry me as well. And I hadn't really, hadn't, hadn't really thought about it. And, uh, and, and like, the ground didn't open up. Like, there, was no, there was no kind of, um, like, I didn't feel nervous or anything. I said, oh, this is odd. And from that moment, I can testify, right through up to and including my wedding day, I had an absolute peace from God. The peace of God that surpasses understanding, that I absolutely knew it was the right person, that Esther was the right person, the person that I was meant to be marrying. Like, lots of people talk about um, being nervous on their wedding day. I was, I, 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 to be honest, I was sat around joking, playing piano most of the morning with my, with my friends at home. I had, I had to be reminded that I needed to put a suit on. Um, but I, 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 was, I had absolute peace that I knew that God had put this. And, and I knew it because from where I'd been, from, from the from the internal turmoil that I'd been having to the absolute um, serenity that I felt. And like God, so God will answer you um, if, if you ask him. He'll answer it in different ways, and it won't always be the same each time. But you have faith and believe that, we, that when you ask God for something, that he will, he will answer you. He says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. So as I finish, there's kind of four points, I think, that should shape our, our attitude of asking and receiving. So the first is humility. Simon talked about it before. Our attitude should be um, that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not, um, did, um, did not consider equality God, with God something to be grasped or attained, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. We should be humble in our relationship in in our relationship with God, stamping out that pride. We need to be engaged. We need to be actively seeking God's will in each situation. We need to really get on board with God. We need to be praying and talking to him and asking him, what do I do in this? That's how we develop our relationship, by talking. Talking is how we ask, asking and receiving. We need to be reliant. We need to be able to, we need to know the things that we can't handle. We need to be able to give them, give them over to God. We need to rely absolutely on God our Father, who can do anything. He is an amazing God who, who won't just leave us on our own. We, ne- we know that he is there. He is present with us. We need to be reliant on him. And we need to be expectant. We need to expect that God can and will answer our prayers. God's, God's not just going to leave us on our own. He's not just, just going to turn his back on us. So if, if we humbly come to him and seek him, God will answer us. God will answer you today. If you've got, if you've got problems, if you don't, know, don't think that God exists today, speak to him, talk to him, and you'll be amazed at the response. Come to God 
in, with an expectant heart, expecting that he will answer you, and he will. It's, it's, so, it's so important, I think, that we, um, that, we, that we don't just kind of think we're, we're sending prayers up, and, up into the air and, it's like, and just, just leave them there. Expect to hear an answer and listen for that answer.